So we're in a series of calls, God's, God's Vision for Me. We've been exploring God's process for vision. And that's really what I've stuck on. I'm going to share the third step of that process this morning. And, um, but Romans 8, 29 and 30 in the message, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. That's what we're talking about today, about the provision. Um, That's the third one he provides. And we're going to talk more about practical provision than um, the, the provision of the cross. But he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established... He stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. So, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here to teach us, to guide us, to, um, to expose in us. And we trust you that whatever you reveal uh, to, to heal, that any, any uh, repentance that is needed is a gift that leads us closer to you, uh, deeper into this amazing life that we call Christianity. Amen. So... We've separated it into uh, five steps. The first one is God has a vision for you. The second one, God has a name for you. And I said something last week I want to reiterate that a lot of times we think we know that God has a party and throws a party and celebrates for us. But then what happens is, is when we come into salvation, but immediately upon our first time we sin or recognize that we're sinning, we, we have this perception that God stops the party and God no longer is calling us by that endearing, loving, um, intimate name. It's just so not true. The party starts when I got saved in 1969 and baptized uh, at Van Nuys First Baptist Church. That party has gone on for me from 1969. And then when I get my glorified body and enter into heaven, I'll enter into that party at a different level in my glorified body. But right now, I can enter in with that celebration of my dad looking at me, celebrating me, rooting me on. None of you have ever seen your kid play a sport. And say, and, and they make a mistake, and you're like, loser! Do you? When you saw your kid take a first couple steps, you're like, I can't believe you're never going to walk. What a big baby. You've never done that. You've never criticized a little kid. You're like, hey, and then they fall down. And we don't care that they fall down. We don't want them to get hurt. They probably will get hurt. But God has a name for you, and he probably has a name for this year. God's a God of seasons. And um, he loves the calendar. He's not opposed to calendar. And he probably has a name for this year for you. And a name, I'm, I'm sorry, a name for this year. And he probably wants to deepen and double down on the name that he's called you from the very beginning. And um, one thing I, I failed to cover last week is this idea, and I'm not going to go into it a lot, but I want you to really get this, is that you are God's vision for himself. Isn't that brilliant? That God has a vision for you, and we should all be able to say, God has a vision for me, and I want to fulfill that and walk that and discover that and walk that vision out. But, but at some time, some time, a long, long time ago, Jesus saw himself without you and wanted you, and they got around the big Holy Ghost conference table, the Holy Ghost, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit up there, and they said, you know, we should create something that reflects us. That's beautiful and brilliant, has a capacity to be amazing and wonderful, and has our attributes in it, but we have to give him free will. And so he envisions, he has a vision for us, but he has a vision of us, and we are his vision for himself. When he had everything, 
and was everything, he still saw that he wanted us. And that should change how we look at ourselves. That should change how we think. He sees himself without us, and he wants us, then he makes us, and we, leave, we, we go away from him. But he pursues us relentlessly. I mean, God envisioned you. He desired you. He imagined you. He thought about you before you even existed. And even while you don't love him, he loves you, and he still envisions himself with you. In fact, that Psalms 27, he sees you. The psalmist says, I want to be in the house of the Lord forever. Well, that's God's vision for you is to be in his presence under his provision, under his protection forever and ever and ever. And his love towards us, his vision towards us is so strong that it's always pulling us in to look more and more like him. And me and you, when we get serious that we have a vision, when we get serious that we're, that we're designed by him, when we get serious that, um, and we join the family business or really the family fun, when we join the family game because it's a joy to be in this business, it's a joy to be a part of this family, we then start living out our father's design. We start being a giver. We start being an attractor. We start calling out his design in other people even when they don't believe in him. And we start providing and building and loving and protecting because our father's doing that for us and we have an overflow. And people get confused because we're so okay with them being them. But we're so in this idea that process is important. Process is important. Process, I wrote this down, it's a, it's a definition, is a series of actions to achieve results. Okay? So we're in process. The process is, is that we're in process and that God provides vision, provision for the process. So if God has a vision of you being anything, he didn't give you the provision. God has a vision for you healing somebody preaching the gospel, building ministry, having children, he provides in for that vision for you. So in anything you, in life, in anything you're not getting the results you want, what do you check? You check the process. I'm not losing the weight I want. I check the process, all right? My bank account isn't as big as I want. I check the process. My water's not working in my house. I check the process, my bills aren't getting paid. I, it's every, every job that we have, you check the process. Why is it any different for us that we're checking what part of the process am I in that I'm not achieving the results that I want to see, that my father wants me to see? In Scripture, a process is a, a form or model that can be imitated, and it's a path that we're on um, where everything will turn out for good, for the glory of God. Now, the Israelites were on a, in a process, Right? So they're in a process. A process brought them to Egypt. And in this process, everywhere you stay where you're not supposed to stay, your place of salvation then becomes your place of slavery. What worked for you for a season no longer works for you if you don't continue on in the process and the call and design of God. So in slavery, God then put them in a process to take them out of slavery. And immediately they're out of slavery. They're in the desert based upon miraculous provision by God. And what's the first thing they'd start doing? Complaining about the process, wanting to go back into the old form or the old process that they knew. And then they get used to the desert. They walk in the desert. God provides for them miraculously. They get so used to it. They step into the promised land. They send out spies, and they come back, and 10 of the spies say, let's stay in the desert. The process where God's leading us to go us into this promised land 
It's too hard. That process of overcoming giants, of building property, building land, and entering into our promised land and living there is going to be too difficult. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. All right? So we always want to pull ourselves out of God's process. Divorce pulls ourselves out of God's process. Religion pulls ourselves out of, us out of God's process. A lot of different things pull us out of God's process. And I think a lot of times people love the old familiar process of what helped them before, but get on, this is what I experienced in the past, and this is what I want in my future. That is not godly vision. That is man's vision. We have a vision to look forward and move into something, something new. And you've got to embrace the process, and you've got to embrace this idea that you're always, always in process. You're in process right now. Think of the, the, the six or seven categories of your life. You're in a financial process, and some of you are taking steps and putting things into place that you're going to have less finances at the end of the year. Some are going to have processes in place. We're going to have more finances at the end of the year, better relationships at the end of the year, or worse relationships based on the process or the series of actions you're taking to achieve results. Okay? And it works in the world, but it works in our spiritual life also. Romans 8.28 says, in the King James, we just read that in the message, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called, or the called according to his purpose. Do you love God? Okay, yes. Are you called according to his purpose? Yes. So you're in a process, you're in a specific process that things are going to turn out amazing for you. Okay, so that's the third, that's the third, that's the third thing. The provision, if you're in process and you're like identified like, like I am, I have a, God has a vision for me that when I engage with things start built me for, and then I'm going to, I'm going to hear my name be called and I'm going to respond to that name. Not what everybody's telling me down here, not even what my circumstances are telling me, not what my religion is telling me, not what my past or my parents or my generations behind me are telling me, but I, I'm going to know him, his voice not just because it's random, but he's calling my name. And I can hear him, so I'm going to walk straighter, longer, healthier, and in a lot more peace and joy. So, and that's the third, is that I'm in process, and in that process there's provision. And the provision of the cross is that all things are going to turn out great. All things are going to turn out great. This is when they turn out really bad is when I jump out of the process that I tell everybody, God started me in. So God, I felt like God told me, start a church, started at Main Street Crossing. And I've wanted to jump out of the process to go get another building, to go do something where there be more than 25 to 50 people over the last 10 years. I've wanted to jump out of the process. And it would be so easy, and it would be like nobody, not that nobody would care, but the thing is, if the Lord if the Lord has told me, I keep walking in his process, knowing that there's provision for me, and, and practical provision, things for me to walk in. Uh, one of my favorite preachers is Chris Volaton. He says, if it isn't good yet, it isn't over yet, because God is working everything to be good. All right? So you keep walking in faith, and... And there's another process that we're in. It's said several times in scriptures, old and new, it, 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 it says or implies that God is making all things new. So when I look at my marriage, even though it's like 
you could, it's 32 wonderful years. <laughs> right? I used to make a joke about that, but I'm not going to make it. So it's like, so, but, but even with that, but there's, it, it, there's, there's a process where even that which is working is being made new. Even though my body's working okay as a 55-year-old man, I can ask the Lord to make me anew, to make my body anew, make my scripture reading anew, to be a fresh new things. It's not like I was made new upon salvation, which I, I am a new creation, but then I'm learning in my emotions and my body and my mind to become and walk into that and obey the new creation and not listen to the dead less that is in my past. So God is making all things new. That means me. That means you. That means our neighbors are being made new, even the ones who hate God, even the ones who oppose God. The world's being made new physically, the world to be made new, to be part of his family. Look at your neighbor and say, I am being made new. Some of you should just look at the other person and go, there's nothing wrong with you. You don't need to change at all. That is, one, that, is one of the, that is one of the worst things ever is to tell somebody, oh, no, you're all right. When they're saying, I believe this should change or I want this to change, it's amazing that people go, but you have it so good. There's always things are being made new. Um, so much, so much so. You know, one of the processes that we fall out of a lot, it says in um, Romans again, um, that there's a process of transformation that comes by the renewing of your mind. Yet what we do is we want to take things that will change our mind, and we want to do things that will change our mind that are outside of the renewing of our mind by knowing God and by Scripture and by those things. And I'm all for... I'm all for counseling, I'm all for coaching, I'm all for marriage workshops, I'm all for parenting classes, I'm all for medication. But first and foremost, go to him. First and foremost, go to him. Before you call a doctor, before you make an appointment, go to him. Lay your hand on yourself and give him an opportunity to increase your faith and to receive that healing. And what comes to our minds of what we put in our brain, there's some people that should not watch the news Ever. They should delete all the news off their Facebook feed. They should delete all the news off their radio because it, because it depresses them because their mind is, was meant and created to glorify God with hope and love and intimacy and affection. And their brain can't handle that stuff. And it wears them down and tears them down. There's a process of building up our minds. There's a process of being transformed and renewed. And we can chase after a bunch of different models outside of Scripture. But we have no need at our beginning point or our point. We have no need to go outside of Scripture. Everything we need is in Scripture. And just believing new things instead of old things will radically change your life. It'll change your body. It'll change your smile. It'll change your income. It'll change your friendship. It'll change how you speak when you exchange the old thoughts for the new thoughts. So there's a process in that. So I'm talking a lot about process. I'm going to talk about provision in a minute here. Um, 
And I know most of you are going to be familiar with, with Ecclesiastes chapter 3 where it says there's a time for this, there's a time for living, there's a time for dying, there's a time for planting, there's a time for harvesting. It goes over a whole bunch of obvious things that there's time. I assume also that there's a process of God for everything for us to get on that path and to walk that out with a series of actions that we can take because God has a vision for us. God's knowable. God's not random. He's not spanking somebody over there and slapping somebody over there and giving good gifts to this person over here. He's a very, he's a very same God giving good gifts to everybody. He's a very knowable God, even though there's mysteries there. So we walk that out. We can find where we're supposed to be in that process. In fact, um, did I put it here? Uh, Ecclesiastes 8, 5 through 7 which is later on in that book, it says, um, the wise mind knows the proper time and the right procedure. The wise mind knows the proper time and the right procedure. You need to know where you're at in the process of your life being changed. And you can say, of these five steps, God, where am I in the process with my finances? Where am I in the process with, with, with ministering to people? Let's just call it ministry, with ministering to people, with spreading your gospel, which is I wanna, what I want to do. Where am I in the process of my marriage? What season am I? You know, if you look up marriage, they'll have like, here's, here's a handy thing for if you've been married one to five years. Here's, a, here's what you should do when you've been married 10 to 20 years. Here's what you should do when, I mean, like men's journal for weightlifting or health and stuff like that or food, food magazine. And it says, this is, what you, this is what you should, how you should exercise from 20 to 30, from 30 to 40, from 40 to 50, from 50 to 60, from 60 to 80. Did you know that? So there's seasons and there's processes that are physically we know that are designed for the seasons that we're in. Yet as Christians, we're like, I can't know God. I don't know what he's doing. I'm just, I'm a victim to what God is doing. We're not a victim to what God is doing. We can know for us where he's taking us and where we're going. And our hope, and this is where we get it wrong so often, our hope is not in the process. The process helps us walk out our hope. I want you to hear that our hope is not in the process. If God says, read the Lord's Prayer, study the Lord's Prayer every day for the rest of this year, you can do that and get nothing from it because you put your hope in that, that act there and that thing. There's something that happens, so the hope, that process of reading, he wants to give me something while I'm in process. He wants to give me, so the Israelites have lots of provision stories of coming out of Egypt. They have ten plagues to talk about, and immediately... They don't talk about those while they're in their new season. What do they do? They actually then complain about their new season, and they, it's like they never talk about the amazing stuff of the ten plagues and the release, and they were released with gold and silver and provision from their neighbors. And they forget all the stories of all the provision that, 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 that happened in the, all those years, and they forget at the moment they go into a new season. We can know the season. We can know a process. Can we know everything? No. It's where trust and faith comes in, but we can know. And the journey, your journey to your promised life um, is a process. It's a process. And um, what's interesting is the Israelites were provided for in slavery. I mean, they increased like crazy numbers. They, they bred like rabbits. And um, they, were, they were provided for miraculously in the desert. 
And they do enter the promised land eventually, and they're given great victories in that. And God sees us in slavery. God sees us as in the desert. God sees us and is with us in slavery. God sees us in our addiction, and he's with us. He's with us in all of the, He's with us in the desert when we're depressed or we don't know where to go, we have no direction, or we can't hear him call us. He's, but he's really, really, really wanting you to be in your promised land. He's really wanting you to be in your promised life. For us, it's less of a land. We think of it more of a life. There's a life that your promise is part of your inheritance that you start living now, and your faith activates or has you enter in into those areas. So the third step, and I'm, 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 I'm not going to go super long. That was just a huge process. I don't have a job. What process am I in? I'm lacking in this. What, what part of the process am I, am I in? Did you know that Target or wherever you shop with a debit card or credit card knows more about you than probably you do when it comes to buying stuff? They, Target got in a lot of trouble five or six years ago. Some really brilliant um, computer guy wrote an algorithm, and they started, they started, dicta- they started saying, hey, women who, who are trying to get pregnant start buying these 15 things. And then women that are pregnant buy these things. And so they started sending advertisement before anybody ever knew that lady was trying to get pregnant. And they had this one, this one guy, um, they start sending, you know, cribs and baby stuff to this, this house. And the dad came in furious because it was addressed to a 17-year-old daughter. And he was super mad at them for, like, assuming and sending that to her. And about a month later, he found out his daughter was pregnant. So when, 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 our, when Facebook knows more about what your search history looks like, you're in trouble. When Facebook knows more what season you are in your life than you do, then you're in trouble. If we don't know ourselves in the eyes of God and the ways of God, we're in trouble. And then we will always lack provision. We will always dislike our job. We will always dislike our relationships. We will always dislike what God has given us for his vision. We don't know where we're going, so we're always dissatisfied. We're always looking for something else. In fact, you can have so much and still like it so little and want more of the wrong things. If you don't believe God has a vision for you, there won't be provision that you're satisfied with. Or you'll nibble and eat all of your provision. And we're in a a season of that as a church. We eat all of our provision. God gives me more than enough, but I keep more than enough. I don't give it away. God gives me more more house than I need, but I don't help anybody with it. God gives me more car than I need, but I don't do anything with it. God gives me more finances I need. I don't give anything with it. God gives me more insight prophetically, but I don't do anything with it. And it begins to dry up as we eat it, and we use it selfishly for ourselves. And I'll tell you... That if you don't believe that God has a name for you that is regularly spoken in heaven, then you probably won't believe that God has provision for you. But if you don't believe God has provision for you, you probably haven't tapped in that he has a vision for you. And provision means for the vision. He provides for the vision. So this morning, if you're struggling with provision simply financially, financially, then maybe you need to sit down and have a chat with God and ask him about his vision of, of you and for you. But see, what we don't, we don't do that. We go, we go and try to fix it. We go try to put Band-Aids on things. So if you're here and chat with God, say, God, what is with my lack of peace? What is with my, my constant fear and worry? And you ask God, and he'll begin to provide for you peace. He'll begin to provide for you 
hope. He'll begin to increase your levels of faith. And I'm going to tell you that um, provision is not something that we're supposed to seek after. Did you know that? Provision is not something we're supposed to seek after, but this is what we're supposed to do. It's supposed to come to us. Provision is supposed to come to us. Listen to what Jesus says in, in several of the Gospels. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and All these things will be brought to you. All these things will be added to you. All these things aren't aren't, all these things aren't peace and joy. All these things are food, shelter, clothing. They include peace and joy. But all the practical things of provision are brought to us when we seek his kingdom. Does that make sense? So when we seek his rule of his lordship in my life. So if you don't have provision in any area, and it could be I don't have provision to buy a car, but it could be I don't have provision to start a business that I want. I don't have provision to retire. I don't have provision to help like I want to help people. If that's it, then don't get your feelings hurt, okay? You're reading your Bible. You can be doing a lots, lots of different tricks and things and, and changing a lot of things, but you're not burrowing in hunkering down, whatever you do, just diving into how do I allow God's kingdom to rule in my finances right here? If you're stressed all the time for time, you're not seeking his kingdom when it comes to your calendar. I'm telling you. It's, I, I know it, it's, it's a myth that we don't have any time, that time is... We all have enough time. We all have equal amount of time. Nobody here has more or less time than anybody else. If you are constantly restless, constantly don't know what to do, constantly full on your calendar, you are not seeking the kingdom rule in your time. You're not honoring God with your time. Well, that sounds hard. So God's kingdom... When we seek his kingdom, it's, um, I'm going to let him rule here. I'm going to ditch all my ideas, all my doctrine that I believe that's led me to this place of great lack. I'm going to throw that out. I'm going to get rid of that. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my head, my heart, and my hands. This is how I always see it. I'm going to have my, he- my heart, my head, and my hands submitted, surrendered to the rule of the Holy Spirit. So whatever I have... Constantly telling him what I'm thinking as I lie to him about my thoughts because I want to keep my thoughts to be my own. So, so we don't seek after we don't seek after provision. Provision is supposed to come to us, but we also don't wait passively around for provision. So many Christians, especially spirit-filled people, wait around for provision. You're waiting around for provision is passive, and passivity is a sin. Passivity is a great sin because passivity is the counterpart to sin of I'm going to do a bunch of good works and God's going to bless me. I'm going to like look spiritual and be passive and wait all the time and have God bless me. So in our, in our, in our waiting, we don't wait around passively. We wait around expectantly and we wait, we wait around passionately seeking God's rule in our heart and our lives. Okay. And, um, that provision is so important. I hear so many lies around provision about, well, I would do this, but I don't have this. But so much of what we talk about that we would like to do in our life, we can actually start that now. We can start a process of that now. You know, we've always, for 30-something years, we've always, like, squirreled away money for vacation. And our first vacation, we have a, 
And we, we've been going through some pictures, and we, we had a, a Suzuki Samurai, which isn't a real car, by the way. It's powered by squirrels. And um, we, we, we would make it a huge shift, and it was a soft top, no air conditioner, no radio, brand new for like $7,600. That's our only new car we ever bought. It was, it was, not, a, it was not, a, not worth a new car price. It wasn't a new car price. It was half a car. And, um, but we would, we would go on vacation, and Zeke would sit in the back seat um, that just bolted on, and we would be strapped in. He would be in a diaper because we'd go in summertime to see my parents in Orlando, and he would eat ice cubes. We'd have the windows, the, the, the back would roll up on each side, and we would have two or three big suitcases on each side of him, and he would be packed in there. We'd go on vacation. We would save our nickels and dimes and go on vacation. We still save our coins to go on vacation because there's, if I have a vision in my life to vacation, I, I, I activate, I enter in with God to do practical things to provide for that. And um, so if there's provision is practical and it's supposed to come to us and we passionately seek God's rule in that area, it's going to come to us. And if you could be guaranteed to be better off at the end of this year than you are now when it comes to peace or joy or fear or depression or your health or relationally or financially, whatever area, if you were guaranteed, would you begin to seek God in those areas in one single area? I'm not going to guarantee it, but ask God what he wants for you, what he envisions for you, and then move into that. In a practical way, have whatever you feel like God has for you, whether it's spiritual gifting or anointing, whether it's friendship, whether it's a future, whether it's finances, whether it's just joyful things that you want to do in your life, then to me it follows that if you don't have peace, seek his kingdom. If you don't have dinner, seek his kingdom. If you don't have a, a, a money to pay a bill, seek his kingdom. If you don't have friends, seek his kingdom. Seek his rule. Seek his friendship in your life, and friends will increase. Don't have a job, seek his kingdom. If we don't have a job, if we don't have a home, we don't have finances, if we don't have clothes, what do we do? We go and make it happen. And it's never satisfying. Seek his kingdom. Let him provide those things. And it does look like a job, <laughs> by the way. It does look like those things because God provides for those who seek his kingdom. And uh, I'm just going to conclude right here. So God tells us not to worry about provision, but he gives us a process how to enter into his provision, how to receive his provision. And let me get, tell you, it is nice to receive provision, isn't it? But it is much better to give provision. And we give in our overflow. We don't give to feel good about ourselves. We don't give out of shame. We don't give because we're sad. God, God doesn't give because he's ashamed of how the world's working. God doesn't give because he's sad about something. God, God, God gives in generous ways, and we can too. And, and provision is a rat, uh, worry is a rat that eats up provision. Worry is a rat that eats up provision. It, it actually eats up joy so that when we get a paycheck, and I've dealt with a lot of people that get paychecks larger than a lot of people, yet they do not ever feel like they have enough, and they're always afraid. Because of worry. And it's a detrimental thing. It's a lack, worry is a lack of faith statement and, um, that, uh, that, that will always make us feel like we don't have provision. Worry is that constant conversation in our mind um, about what we don't have, about what will or won't happen, about why what we do have might be taken from us. And that worry is something that we, we don't need to have in the church. And that doesn't mean it doesn't crop up. But the Lord has given us a process to deal with that and a process to believe in, to believe in provision. All right, go ahead and stand up.
All right, so the first, the, first, the first step of God's vision for you is that he has an awesome vision of you. In fact, if you, if you could hear his name for you, you would fall down on the ground weeping, and then you'd rise up dancing. You'd have the fullness of all emotions. You'd be so excited because it would define you perfectly. It would actually be the very person you would dream of being. That's the name he would call you, all right? And then he has a, he has a vision for you, a name for the season that you're in, and it's a good name. And then God has already provided everything that you need. There's no peace you're working up. You're not trying to go gain somebody else's peace. You're not trying to go gain somebody else's money. All the provision that you need is already there. So close your eyes. So, Father, we just thank you by the power of your Holy Spirit that you speak to us this morning, that you guide us, that you show us. And um, so just with your head bowed and your eyes closed, just say, God, show me specifically where I'm not seeking your kingdom. And where it's putting me in lack.